Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How are you now? It's James Whelan from Barclay Pierce Capital's Wealth Management Team. And you are listening to... It's not the not the Bib Show anymore. It's the Theory of Thing Investment Podcast. Uh, today's date is the sixteenth of February two thousand and twenty four. Uh, this show is sponsored by Barclay Pierce, I suppose, because they they're the guys that pay me and uh, the that I work for. Now I'm joined by a good old friend of mine uh, today. So Heath Moss, unfortunately, is down our front row center for Taylor Swift. Um, I'm going to shut this window. Um, I'm broadcasting from home today, um, so. Uh, Heath Moss was out, and we've got David Scott from Stonex. Am I saying Stonex? Yeah, Stonex or City Index or Forex.com. One of the three. Okay. Okay. He's, a, he's a, the uh, the chief senior talking head at, uh, at that particular place, whatever he wants to do, but he's, he's the knowledgeable one in the team and uh, the guy that we turn to where we have absolute questions for it. It is a Friday, obviously. That's why we're both in very, very casual clothes. I've got my Monday night football t shirt on in my little office studio, and I've also got... I don't know if you can see that, anyone who's watching on the YouTube. There's my little sporting memorabilia stuff up there. I've got stuff from when I was in Nepal. I've got my Tottenham thing. I've got some of the baseballs that I, that, that I won various championships with, and there's my NFL ball up there as well. Anyway, just, uh, yeah, I've just got my little, my little things in my office here. Right, uh, yeah, I'm working, on my, uh, my, I'm, I'm working on my pool, uh, pool skills behind me, so I'm ready to go and take on the World Championship next year. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's your pool table place. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, pool sneaker table. It's a hybrid. It had a bar in it, didn't it? Yeah, it's still got the bar there for the time being. Nice, nice. Okay, well, mate, we've it's it's been a bit of a week. We've seen so coming up in the show today, and again, it's always going to be a really quick one, which is the new model of doing things. Uh, in the show today, we're going to talk briefly about Japan. Uh, we're going to talk briefly about local stuff with the CBA. Um, the head of CBA is saying that. There won't be any rate cuts ahead and sort of what is probably going to be ahead in that regard. And we're going to talk about US inflation, which sort of surprised um, in the wrong direction. But is there more underlying it um, than meets the eye? Is it as bad as some people thought at the time? So it's a good thing that we've got David here because uh, it's this new job. This new job doesn't mean that I can actually focus on these things as much as as much as I need to. That's why I need people like you. So that's how it goes, mate. Um, so yeah, I'll David, do my best start. to fill in the gaps. No worries at all, mate. And then, uh, and then we'll talk about a little bit about some football as we go as well. I've got the Sharon here, which I got fixed by the good people at Sharon. Um, it's over about 20 years old. First gift that my wife ever got me um, when we started that. Well, one of the first gifts that my wife got me when we started going out as a young couple. I got it fixed by the Sharon people, and now it's absolutely perfect, ready to go. So just like the AFL season ahead. Now, we had uh, Matt Common front of the newspaper, the Financial Review, saying that he doesn't see... Rate cuts as being a possibility, potential possibility this year until, or, or at least until 2025. Um, that's interesting. We've seen some evidence sort of contrary to that. I'm going to just give you the easiest underarm stuff, David, and just say, what's your take on his views versus the views, which I think is probably represented by the Commonwealth Bank's own research department, which is uh, which is one of the best um, that can be out there. Either, obviously, the Australian economics team headed uh, with the 
our good friend Gareth Aird there um, producing some amazing work. What's um, what's your take on, on where Australia lies at the moment, especially with, with regards to mortgage rates and with regards to the expectation of cuts ahead? Uh, I think the RBA will be cutting before the Fed, uh, if I'm being brutally honest, uh, straight off the top. Uh, when you talked about uh, some of the other... Uh, the mechanisms that's going through in the Australian mortgage market right now. And the one key difference that we have with the United States is that uh, no, even though we've seen mortgage rates for new mortgages in the States go and jackknife higher, uh, so many of their mortgages were fixed at ultra low levels for decades. Uh, so they haven't really seen that increase uh, in, in, uh, in, in, in uh, borrowing costs that we're seeing here in Australia. And uh, when you look at how much borrowing's done at the front end of the curve now, the increase we've seen coming through, uh, it's really evident that it's uh, it's really clamping down consumer spending at this point in time. And uh, lo and behold, I think that the market's starting to come around to the realisation that, A, we probably don't need to go and hike rates to the same degree as the other Fed. And uh, no, potentially the RBA will be moving before the Fed, which is uh, a little bit unusual. I think I, I honestly agree that they will be cutting before the Fed. I don't think there's, there's no doubt in my mind on that, that that's actually going to happen, especially with I mean, read into whatever you want to read into. Um, but I think I think that we are I think that we are weaker than we are. But yeah, you're right. Just with the fact that that, that mortgage rates haven't really moved. Now I've got a, a chart up here which is saying outstanding mortgage rates, um, and this is the increase since rate hikes began. And I'm just sort of going to talk to this uh, because people not not everyone is watching on the on the YouTube. And look, there's a blue line as Australia. Red line is the United States. The blue line of Australia has gone up by almost 3.5%, about 3.25%, um, an increase in mortgage rates since hikes began. And the US has only gone up by 0.5%. That's that's that, that's everything. I mean, hiking hasn't really affected the US uh, the US individual as much as it has done over here. Just a tail. Yeah. I was sort of looking at a tail of two services. We saw services inflation um, was uppish in the US and... I think Gareth put out a little note earlier in the week, didn't he? Sort of back on the CBA, talking about how services inflation was not as sticky as people were thinking. Yeah, a lot of it's coming through from uh, from non-essentials and everything else. But the, the one thing you can see from the the data, and now it's only going to flow through to those lagging indicators like the uh, the labour market data we saw yesterday, that the the household sector, which is a big chunk of this Australian economy is struggling uh, at this point in time. But one of the things that's, you know, that's holding Australia's uh, inflation fight back is a couple of things. So we've got uh, very, very strong population growth. Indeed, we've got some, uh, some monthly figures out yesterday, which suggests that uh, we could be running uh, at an annual increase of about 2.5% per annum uh, population growth. Obviously, mo- almost all of that coming through from migration. So that's adding to aggregate uh, demand there in the economy. And at the same time, productivity just stinks. You know, it's becoming increasingly difficult to go and, and, and get productive uh, gains in the other uh, economy at this point in time. So you've got this you know, big push in demand coming through and supply is constrained. So that's helping to go and you know, keep some inflationary pressures elevated at this point in time. Uh, that's what I know potentially could go and see rate, uh, rate cuts delayed. But at the same time, you know, if it continues at this pace and we're not seeing a lot of activity coming through in the broader economy, you know, in, in probably aggregate terms and per capita terms right now, uh, looking very sluggish or going backwards, uh, the next step's going to be we're going to see some job shedding. That's, uh, that's the most likely outcome you'd imagine, and that will solve productivity pretty quickly and will probably solve inflation as well. That's, that's a pretty good summary, and that is where Australia lies at the current moment. We're going to come back onto an Australian since uh, after we go around the world, let's talk about Japan. 
Now, there's a, the, the beautiful expression, whenever you talk to, what's his, Simon Mawini from Alan Gray, so the, the, the head of portfolio management at Alan Gray, value investor, he always starts off the conversations by saying that the first and foremost investment thesis of theirs is that markets and economies are not correlated at all. It's been proven, it's been done, it's tested. Now, if you want evidence of this, this week, you can talk about the, the Japan recession, and I'm about to put up a chart at the Nikkei, um, Amazingly, one of the the last the last bullish uh, I think the last bull call that I made a couple of months ago before I left the last place that I was at, uh, and it's uh, that is a market, mate. What's your take on uh, on Japan? I'm not surprised to be honest that the, the Nikkei is absolutely flying. Indeed, uh, as we're speaking, it's getting very very close to getting towards levels that it might go and hit uh, fresh record peaks at this point in time. It's already trading at the highest level now since uh, since January of 1990. Uh, I know that a lot of people made a lot of the uh, the Japanese data that came out yesterday, but you go and look into some of the internal details, it's just a continuation of what we've seen for a, quite a period of time. And that is the external economy, particularly the exporters, are flying. Uh, yen, not only against the dollar, but a whole basket of different currencies is absolutely flying at this point. Uh, and export volumes are really strong. Indeed, I think uh, if you look back at the data recently, the December exports from Japan were the highest on record. Uh, Big increase to the states and uh, no, a pickup to uh, to China as well. So when you look at the Nikkei, you look at the tailwinds coming through from the softer yen and the like. Uh, I'm not surprised to see it's uh, now on the cusp of going and breaking towards uh, to record highs. The domestic economy obviously is very sluggish at this point in time, but we know that real wages have been going backwards for a long period of time. Inflation's come through, but also we know that uh, that wage increases are on the way there. So maybe just maybe we're going to see that stabilize a little bit at this point. But uh, yeah, uh, look, all the recessionary uh, headlines uh, in Japan that came out yesterday uh, don't really go and kind of marry up with the uh, the market. But if you look into the details, uh, I think it explains a lot why the Nikkei is performing so strongly. Yeah, it is. It is. And uh, the, the the main case behind my bull thesis for the for the Japanese market was also based on the the BlackRock. What's his name? Remember we talked about this before. The fellow from BlackRock. And see, this is it. Feels like a lifetime ago that I was talking about this, mate. Remember that last year. Yeah, um, Ben Powell, I think his name is. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, Ben Powell talking about just the weight, the flood of money that there is sitting in, uh, sitting in savings accounts in Japan, that just has to go into the market. It's just, a, just a, well, that was his thesis as well. Um, whether or not that's the case, I don't actually know where the money flows are coming from on this, but I do know that the direction of that Japanese market is up. You know, very a lot is. In, yeah, a lot is coming through from international investors, mate. Uh, what we're seeing is uh, some big inflows coming through to the Japanese market. Obviously, some reforms that are taking place when it comes to uh, you know, rewarding shareholders, um, maybe more so than the past, uh, and, and encouraging firms to go and place shareholders first. Uh, more often than not, is certainly going to be helping things at the moment. I'm not sure how much is actually being driven by uh, the domestic side. It seems to be a lot of international uh, investors. And I also get the sense from an FX perspective what a lot of people are doing. I know that um, late last year I had to go and put my forecast out looking at dollar yen and the like, and I expected like so many other people that would like to go and see the Fed cut rates uh, and then you would spreads go and compress and dollar yen come down. So you'd also get that carry coming through uh, from an FX side of it. It hasn't really worked out at this point in time, but I think a lot of international investors are waiting for that as well. So not only getting their returns coming through from the normal increase in, uh, in Nikkei and, uh, and share prices, but also potentially from a slightly stronger yen at some point this year. Okay, that's uh, that's a pretty good overview, mate. No problem at all. On that, now let's go to the US. Now this is the other side of the coin when it comes to uh, to what's going on. So the the, the diverge, div, 
divisions, the divisions, the divergence and the separation between the US and Australia uh, was pretty well, pretty well exemplified just in the, in the last week with regards to RBA, with regards to. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The, uh, to the U.S., What's your take on those services numbers? Uh, sorry, what's your take on those inflation numbers, always, David? Look, we know that there's uh, a lot of unusual and uh, one-off increases that come through at the start of the calendar year in the States. Uh, that likely explains some of the increase. But uh, that super core number that the Fed's uh, made famous, so you know, core services uh, prices, uh, X housing, uh, 85 basis points in the month. So I know a lot of people are kind of looking in and saying, oh, no, it's all been driven by shelter costs and everything else. But it's not really. Uh, that super core number was super hot, if I'm being honest, yep. uh, which makes you wonder. And I know a lot of people are looking at some of the uh, and going, oh, well, no, the disinflationary trend is still in place. And you can see the markets, the way they're acting at the moment. I uh, know that is, you know, the immaculate disinflation story is still very much uh, in control at this point in time. But yeah. uh, you look at where the economy is going at the moment. It's uh, even, uh, I think I looked at the Atlanta Fed GDP now uh, forecast model uh, earlier today, still running at 2.9% annualized. It's about double uh, the US potential rate that's estimated at this point in time, which is inflationary yeah. itself. Uh, PMIs are picking up uh, retail sales up until last night, which may have been impacted by, uh, by uh, poor weather. Rolling along eight consecutive increases in a row, beating the market expectation for retail sales. So. Yeah, the U.S. economy is looking pretty strong at this point in time. So I'm not surprised to see that you know, there might be some inflationary impulse coming back into the economy. Yeah, that's right. No landing, I think, is, is being used more and more uh, uh -huh. by people around there. I, I coined the phrase, what did I coin the phrase? Would I put it on the chat group? Undisinflation. It's <laughs> 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 just going to keep on tacking on more, more prefixes to it as we, as we go on. Um, now, there was Brian Dietrich, um, who we know from Carson, um, over in the States, he, he does some amazing work and he wrote, so I'm just going to do this so that I don't share my notes with you because that would be unprofessional. Uh, okay, so Ryan Dietrich, he wrote these amazing things. So Shelter, shelter, and he mentioned Shelter. Shelter makes up 43% of core CPI. So he wanted, he wanted to go into that. Shelter is made up of two things, owner's equivalent rents and rents. The big jump in owner's equivalent rent or OER seems off according to him. So this is sort of where you're going here. Annualized 6.9%, which is the highest since April 2023, versus rents are only at 4.2%. So owner's equivalent is like up by 3% more, almost. Lowest, and that's the lowest since September 21. It says that the owner's equivalent rent is likely going to come back to earth soon, 
which is matters as the owner's equivalent rent is 34% of the core CPI, with rent being about 8%. So uh, rent prices match what we're seeing in private data. Um, apartment list rent prices are down year on year. Uh, annualized CPI in the past three months is 2.8%, higher than anyone wants. So if you take out shelter, it drops to 1.1%, very similar to what you just said, suggesting we are seeing some major improvements on inflation across the board with likely better shelter data coming. So it's, it's still going to be strong. It's just not going to be mm. the crazy thing that's there, which is sort of why markets reacted and then it was just like, as usual, back to the races, no problem at all. Yeah, oh, we've got the PPI report out tonight in the States as well, and that's uh, no really helped to go and fuel that immaculate disinflation story the last couple of months. So I, I reckon there's a bit of front-running going on as well. But, uh, yeah, the, the owner's equivalent rent and, uh, and rents we're seeing in the States, I know that it's very lagged by what we see coming through from private data. But you've also got to go and look at some of the fundamentals. So still very, very strong jobs market at the moment. There's arguably been a lot of underbuilding uh, in standalone dwellings as well. Uh, there's been a lot of condos built uh, and everything else in, that in certain parts of the country where there's probably arguably some oversupply coming through. I just wonder about this you know, this whole you know, deflationary story or very you know, strong disinflationary story from rents uh, longer term because we don't see house prices come off. We don't see the labour market really start to buckle. Then you're still going to have plenty of uh, fuel there to go and, and, and run with, uh, with rents. So that's just one little thing there at this point in time where I know that a lot of people are getting excited about uh, what's going on with rents. But uh, yeah, uh, if they start to go and pick up in private surveys, look out because that's going to go and take one of those big drivers of the disinflationary story away. Yeah, and then you're going to get the un the undisinflation. I reckon if I say it enough, it's going to get picked up and used. So I'm going to see it in someone's note, and it'll be undisinflation. I'll be like, aha, same thing as bond proxies, which I say that I invented. Um, well, mate, that's the market. <laughs> I did. I, I invented bond proxies. I also invented Professional Tuesday. Nobody ever gives me any credit for these things, right? The well, after the greatest, I'm going to try and reach this here, but after the greatest Super Bowl that I've ever seen, I'm just going to go there because there's my there's the NFL ball. We uh we see the sun sets on the NFL and the sun rises on the AFL, and what a great season we've got ahead, mate. Uh, who's yeah, who's your tip? Who's your team? Well, who, we know who your team is, you're a 20s man like you, but um, yeah, what do you think? Anything, anything out of the anything out of the ordinary? I'm just pulling up. Yeah, look, I, it's hard to go past uh, Collingwood. Uh, very, very strong team, uh, even with potential some injuries coming through early on. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, apart from my Swannies uh, and your Swannies too, we'll, uh, we've got to add in there for, uh, for context, uh, their premiership window, I was thinking maybe it was you know, shutting temporarily, but we've got some, uh, some pretty decent recruits, particularly if Grundy can go and dominate in the ruck. Uh, I have some fairly high hopes that we could go and at least make the other top four. Uh, I think when you look at the likes of the Lions, again, and another pretty strong contender. Uh, but, yeah, when I look across some of the other, the other teams, I know a lot of people are looking at, uh, I know Carlton has been a potential, you know, to go that next step uh, coming I through. But I think GWS, GWS to me looked like that team, uh, which they were had so much momentum in the second half of last year. If they can carry that through and they've got a relatively young list, well, they uh, they might be tough to go and beat as well. So that's that's kind of my uh, my tip. I know that Tony, we want to go and see who's going to win the uh, the, the tournament uh, the other uh, season. I'd love to say the Swans, but yeah, I'm not yeah, saying it with uh, we 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 too much money behind it. Put it that way. Well, we've, we we um, I think that the difference is if the Swans just don't throw away those 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 one pointers. You know, those little ones of just that heartbreaking mm. game, like the Port Adelaide one, which I was there for. Speaking of, um, then it could be a different story for them. But you're right. I got sports bet up here. Remember, bet with your head, not over it. This is not a gambling uh, 
thing. We're just trying to give you a bit of context for these things. Collingwood at five bucks, Brisbane, Brisbane at five fifty, Carlton are at eight, GWS at eight dollars, Melbourne at tenners, Swannies at tenners as well. Now John Lycos, Lycos, yeah, that's his name. Yeah, Lycos did want us did want us to quantify him. Uh, he's from Bond Advisor as well, an amazing service. Uh, I'm actually I'm actually pitching with them to use them for a certain thing too. I'm pretty excited about that, um, and they're a really professional outfit. But they he's 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 predicting that Port Adelaide, which is his team. Which says a lot about him. Um, it's uh, <laughs> his team is not going to make the top eight, so Port Adelaide to miss. You heard it here first, according to uh, to one of the smartest guys in the bond market uh, that going around. I'm not sure how that that they, they don't really cross over. If you can understand the you know the the, the work the yield and price crossover, and you can explain bonds without doing this with your hands, how do you explain mm. the curve? Um, then you uh, then you can predict the AFL fairly well. I suppose you can. Um, Look, that's where we've that's where we're up to. While we're there, we're just going to have a little look at the NRL because as I was up, I was up late last night watching um, highlights of the NRL for from last year for the teams that are going to be in Vegas when I'm there, just mm. so that I can communicate with these guys and actually know what's talking about these sort of things because some of these some of these games I didn't really catch all the way. So let's talk take a look at futures for rugby league NRL. Futures, NRL grand final winner. Uh, Panthers still short. Broncos still $4.35. Storm in there as well. They, they, they didn't do too badly last night. I've got a real uh, hot tip for you. I still think that the Tigers will be a top eight team. Surprisingly, I think that Benji and Robbie know, know what's up. And I reckon they've got, a lot of, they've got a lot of spirit and they're getting pointed in the right direction. I think the Bulldogs will go a lot better than you think that they will as well. Um, outside yeah, well, yeah. They'll, have, they'll have to, mate, because they've made so many uh, acquisitions that they don't go and start delivering soon, the Bulldogs. Uh, yeah, Gus Gould will be out on his, uh, on his ass, And, uh, yeah, uh, and a lot of people are waiting for the dogs to come good. They've got a big nursery, big kennel, and yeah. uh, hasn't hasn't really gone and uh, gone anywhere in a long time. Oh, it's gone. Just as long as Manly doesn't make the eight, I'll be very happy. And uh, and that's it. Look, uh, here, here. final bid. Final bids for you, uh, for big man. Oh, and North's uh, potentially coming back into the comp very soon, sooner than we think, which will be uh, which will be an amazing thing. And and you know what's amazing? The takeaway that I get from people, especially especially with all the people that we talk to who are very close to the game of rugby league, because that's what mm. you know, Barclay Pierce Capital is 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 sort of a you know we're a league a leaguey broker. Um, whenever I mention relegation, everyone says, "Yeah, it'd be it'd be a great idea. It'd be cool." Playing, you know, imagine that sort of those barn burners towards the back end of the season. You got three weeks to go. If the if the if the Tigers don't don't make this game, you know, or if the Bulldogs don't win this game, they're going to drop down into the into the the second division, into the New South Wales Cup, sort of thing like that. There is the structure for a pyramid structure uh, that that similar to the way that football hasn't. I'd like to see that done. What do you think? Yeah, I wouldn't mind it, but uh, I wouldn't want to go see, apart from addition of the Bears, of course, uh, which I know whether the, the Western Bears or whatever Bears, uh, I'm, as a long-suffering supporter and uh, still a supporter of the New South Wales Cup side, uh, I'd love to go and see them. But, yeah, from a two-tier competition, if you want to separate it to maybe, like, you know, um, 10 and 10, and then I uh, had the uh, maybe the bottom two go down and then you know, the top two from the, uh, from the second tier go up, each season, I reckon that'd be awesome. Uh, it'll yeah, go and add, uh, add to it. Yeah, yeah, and inject inject money. I mean, you know, you get those hearts. Inject some much needed money into some of the clubs that uh, that are out there. If you can struggle your way up to get to the to get to the pinnacle, you know, that's that's yeah. that's changing lives. 
Uh, yeah, there's some really strong teams as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, there are. Um, I'd love to see Newtown back uh, back at the top levels as well, but uh, that's just part of the trade of the old blue baggers. Um, all right, mate, I'll let you go. Thank you very much for the chat. If there's anything else you want to say, speak now, forever hold it. No problem. Just, uh, yeah, everyone have a great weekend, and, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens uh, with these crazy markets at the moment. Uh, certainly a lot to go and talk about. Yeah, no, it will be. As usual, stay invested uh, wherever you can. Uh, it's a matter of what, and it's a matter of when, it's a matter of how. Mm. So... Uh, thank you very much for joining us. That's been David uh, Scott, talking person from Stonex and a bunch of other things, City Index, and no, nah, it's gone. Sorry. No, nah, can't remember. What was it? What was the last one? Forex.com. City <laughs> Forex.com. Thank you. That's all right. Mate, I don't know. It's a, anyway, um, I'm James Whelan, Managing Director of Barclay Pierce Capital's Wealth Management Team, and uh, you've been listening to the Theory of Thing Investment Podcast. Thank you so much. Have yourselves a great weekend. Mark well. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.